0: Don, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Vic. Uh,
0: I am excited to have you on and dive into this topic about fixing and all that good stuff with you. And I uh, uh, appreciate you taking the time to share space with us. And as my listeners know, I like to like right get into things. So what's your, how did you get into what you're doing today? What's the story? What's the background, you know, uh, uh, of what, how you ended up being, doing what you're doing today? Well, I'm in a field
1: that, uh, has come to be called psycho-spirituality, you know, neuroscience, uh, psychology, and spirituality. And by spirituality, I mean a practical spirituality, living from spiritual principles, as simple as, you know, choosing to be at peace, um, extending love, uh, forgiving, those kinds of of active ways of living a spiritual life. Well, all three of those those important domains of human experience have finally met at the same point. They're on the same page, and they're finding that uh, they dovetail exquisitely. And that field has gone to be called psycho spirituality. And I came into it the hard way. Uh, I came to this work um, uh, years ago when I experienced what uh, I've come to call a you know a perfect storm of stress. I lost an executive level position I had at Stanford University Medical School that, you know, I devoted a decade or more climbing the career ladder to reach. And nine days after that, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And, you know, the doctors warned me that this uh, tumor and and particularly the surgery could leave me seriously disabled, potentially unable to work again. And I was married with uh, four children and a mortgage and and on top of that my marriage was in trouble because you know I devoted uh so much time to building my career um at the expense of time with my family so you know suddenly there i was my life was coming apart at the the seams and it seemed there was nothing i could do about it um it you know that the 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 world had finally caught, caught up to me, and it was about to crush me. That's the way it felt, and um, there was nothing I could do to to change the impending catastrophe. And you know, I had to wait about six weeks for the surgery. And the first two weeks were um, just a catastrophe. <laughs> they were I was emotionally a wreck. Uh, every night I would wake up, you know, like at three o'clock in the morning, I'd stare out into the cold, dark night. It looked like some black hole, some oblivion about to suck me and my family in, uh, terrified by what might happen to me and to them. And, and then one night, about two weeks into this, I reached this point where I was absolutely beleaguered. And I seriously questioned which was worse. And this is another one of those three in the morning, dark night of the souls moments. And it was a... Uh, I asked myself, you know, what was worse, the dire problems that the doctor predicted that, that might happen in the future or the abject fear that was happening in me every day, all day long for the last two weeks? And as I was to discover, uh, you know, the, the fear that had been happening to me all my life up until that point that I'd never uh, addressed, that I'd suppressed. And, and the answer was clear. Um, the fear was worse. I, I, had, to, I had to face it. And so, you know, because the bone chilling fear that, that I was experiencing, it was consuming me. It was depleting the strength I knew I needed to get through what I had to get through. So for the next half hour, I used a process that I had learned from um, a very famous and great American psychologist, but, and actually had taught to other people, but never used much on myself. And it was very simple. Process that just simply involved being diligently aware of every fearful, painful thing I thought, and how it turned into the distress I was feeling and the pessimism that, uh, that it was causing me. You know, the attitude, the attitude of pessimism that it gave birth to, and to observe it all uh, without interfering with any of it, without trying to change any of it, without trying to to impose on top of it uh, some positive affirmation, but just to be with my feelings. And um, I, I, you know, my, my thought was, is that uh, what would happen is, is that, it, you know, it would eventually calm down. I wasn't prepared for how much it was going to swell. There was so much fear in me to fear. And it was like uh, my grandson's a surfer. And he often describes when you catch a big wave, uh, there's no getting off of it. Because if you jump off of it you're, it's going to suck you down to the deep. He said you got to ride it in and trust you're going to reach shore and well that was the that's exactly the experience I was in. Uh, this huge amount of fear came in overwhelmed me, and it was all I could do to to ride it and I reached shore. you know it eventually evened out, delivered me back to myself, and I had the realization that all that fear that I was experiencing, um, the world wasn't doing to me. Uh, My situation wasn't doing to me, it was happening in me. I was generating it. That the situation I was at some level was just neutral. You know, things happen, health issues happen to people. People lose their jobs all the time. Uh, Life goes up, life goes down. But the way in which I was reacting to all of it was the pain that I was in that was actually debilitating me, and so for the a, after I had that that insight that this is happening in me, not in reality uh, and not to me, um, I managed to 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 continue to allow myself to feel whatever was there, and you know the fear would co- came back not as strong the next time, and then it came back again less and less until I finally reached this point. Or I kind of crossed a bridge, I crossed over uh, from the stress and the fear into a place of of peace. And I, I knew I was at peace, because when I looked out that that window with it, you know, that uh, probably an hour before it looked like a black hole, it had suddenly changed. Um, and what I was seeing was reality, you know, it was a, we had this beautiful oak tree in the front of our house, and it was a moonlit night. And the moonlight was shimmering off of the tree leaves, and uh, you know, in that state of calm that I was in, I could actually feel the moment was sacred, um, and I could feel a feeling of optimism rise in me. Maybe I'd be okay if I could, if I could locate this way of being, this place inside of myself where all was well. And so I made up my mind right then and there that as I proceeded forward towards surgery. Um, that I was gonna let go of fear in this way. And one of the things that um, I had to do um, with my former job to get my golden parachute uh, was to finish a project that nobody else could finish. I had to do it to earn my golden parachute. And so when I went back to work, I was surprised at how much my perspective had changed. I looked at people who I thought were my adversaries and I thought that was just me. That was just my projection onto them. And and I let it go. Um, I was able to look at all the things that I had to do. It's a pretty major project. And I could discern for myself the things that I could get done in the time that I had and things that I couldn't get done. And I didn't w- worry about the things that I couldn't do, but focused on what I was doing. And, you know, fear would come up and I would shift it in this way. Well, you know, when I, re- at the surgery turned out to be a complete success, sparing me a life of disability. And I actually got my, got my job back. Not that job, but another job in the medical center. The chairman of the Department of Psychiatry called me um, and said he wanted to interview me. He'd heard about this guy who was facing this ordeal with such a positive attitude. And he said, we need a positive attitude in this godforsaken department. <laughs> and I went and interviewed, and he he offered me the job. And, you know, if I had gone to a neuroscientist and we had some of the world's best neuroscientists at Stanford at that time, and I would have asked them, do you think this shift in attitude, this shift in mindset had anything to do with the positive outcome of the medical procedure I underwent? They, at that time, this was back in the 80s, they would have said, I was just hippie nonsense. Um, You know, you, you just got lucky. You got a good surgeon, did a good job. Well, we now know in science—not even theoretically, it's definitively established in science—that mind-body connection has everything to do with how how our bodies do, the the course our our health takes, the longevity we enjoy. It's all it's all connected, and we also know about the brain that you know everything everything in life depends on on the um, on how your brain is functioning, and we know that people who are living with from from more spiritually inclined principles have great brain function. Their higher order brain function, the pre uh, the prefrontal cortex, is more active, and it's actually expanding, while the the lower level, um, more primitive parts of the brain, the limbic system, the, where the fear center, the amygdala is, actually begin to shrink, and so. This, this is generating a person that is at choice, is choosing their own way in their life instead of their brain using them. And so um, I would stay at Stanford another five years. And after that, I went to uh, work at an agency that worked with um, an approach to overcoming catastrophic life events. We, we were working in the AIDS epidemic uh, at the height of the epidemic in San Francisco. Uh, we worked with people who were life-threatening threatened, life illnesses, parents who had lost children, who worked in prisons. And the Clinton administration actually sent us off to Croatia and Bosnia during that genocidal war to work with refugees who, who were experiencing extreme post-traumatic stress. Um, and it, it was one of the first places to do that infusion of spirituality with psychology and neuroscience. And in uh, 2005, uh, the center was awarded the Excellence in Medicine Award from the AMA. And so I eventually left the center. I took uh, what I had learned, integrated in integrating those three fields and went out into the corporate arena to help companies, high pressure workplaces, uh, teach their people how to, how to shift stress. And then uh, after I did that for a long time, Um, I was offered a consulting position with the DeMello Center, the Mental Spirituality Center, to bring his approach uh, even more and more out into the world, and from that, we, we created this new book of DeMello's called Stop Fixing Yourself, and that's why I'm here talking to you.
0: I love your story. I love the work that you're doing and everything. And it's awesome. One of the things I want to ask is like, when it comes to that fear that you had, was it, did, did you like have a feeling of knowing? Like, is this just a feeling when it was coming on? So you just had, it was like your awareness kicked in and said, oh, this is where fear comes in. I need to reset. Let me re, let me re go back. Uh, was that kind of the process in that, in that, that journey yours?
1: Well, it was kind of like um, an alcoholic uh, who finally gets to the bottom, you know, reach the bottom where they say there must be another way than, than this way that I'm living and all the, all the pain it, it, it causes me and it, and, and all the pain I'm causing other people through it. Uh, it was kind of like that. It's like uncle, you know, the fear, the fear was, was constant. And um, I was, I was at that moment, I was grabbing at straws. You know, I knew this process that I, that I talked about that i walked myself through. I knew it because I'd been teaching it but I had never applied it to myself, you know? And so it it came down to physician heal thyself. And I went, okay, I'll give give this one a try because I really trusted this psychologist. His name was Carl Rogers. And he had huge influence on the field of psychology. And uh, he was a man who really walked his talk. And so that's where I gravitated. And so there was a part of me that was willing to suspend everything and try something new and, um, and I was greatly relieved to find that this, that this approach worked.
0: Of that. Why do you think people always think they need to fix themselves? I mean, we see this in the spiritual world, people who are like spiritual in a sense. Uh, but why do we always think we need to work on something, fix on something? Why do we feel like we're broken? Cause I know I've gone through that in my own journey too.
1: Well, we're unhappy. Um, we, we feel, uh, a sense of limitation, you know, like, like the world's closing in on us, uh, we're shame-based. We don't think we're good enough. You know, those, those feelings, um, those ways of relating to ourselves are painful. And so we, we, you know, we go out, we come to the conclusion, I need to change myself. Um, we're unhappy. You know, I, I, I've worked with a lot of people, you know, in that so-called proverbial midlife crisis, although it seems to be happening to the younger generation sooner in life. You, know, if you look at the stats, only about four percent of the population define themselves as completely happy. Completely happy, four percent. And the irony is that we're born happy. The you know, if you look at what science, uh, when it studies human nature, what they study is children, and what they find is that children are naturally happy. Um, I often invite people uh, who are struggling with unhappiness. To, when they're out in the world, to watch children, to let children be their teacher for a while, how naturally and how easily and how simply they come into happiness. And even when, uh, you know, they, the, the world upsets their apple cart, they're very resilient. They, they, you know, they naturally progress back to happiness pretty quickly. Um, the other irony is we're born free, but we become trapped in, in our own limited thinking. We're born with this beautiful human heart. This open heart that we allow stress and fear to so easily close. You know, we're born gifted beings of immeasurable worth, but you know, we often feel we're not good enough. And you know, there's this, all the mystics tell us there's this divinity of joy within us and surrounding us that would make our life meaningful and beautiful and rich, but we become blocked from seeing it. It's almost as if, you know, we are all hypnotized. To see what is not there, and not see what is right there, right before our eyes, inside of us, and you know, people want to know, well, how did this happen to it, to us? Because we end up blaming ourselves for these issues, and the the truth of the matter is, is that society programmed all of those wonderful qualities out of us. They stamped into us the belief that happiness and self worth are found out there in the world, and you know, if we work long and hard. Success will come to whatever degree it's going to come, and out of that, happiness and fulfillment will follow. And um, most, all of us have followed that formula. And ten years later, we realize that success has come, but without fulfillment. And and even that success that has come, we're not even enjoying that. You know, we don't think it was enough. Um, that's failing at life. That's failing at living. Like Tony Robbins says is that success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure in life. So we need to wake up to what is innately true about us, uh, to to our own given nature. And waking up is a realization that contrary to what society has ingrained in us, wired into our brains, is that nothing but absolutely nothing of the world can make us happy. You know, success isn't unimportant. Of course it isn't. But sex, success is not the same as fulfillment. Um, that's the mistake we make. Fulfillment doesn't come from the world. Happiness doesn't come from, from your job title, from any, anything, the amount of money you make, from the neighborhood you live in. Not the radiant happiness of a child that's constant, that makes you smile for no reason, that rides the ups and downs of life evenly. Um, happiness comes from, from within you. And the truth is, there's not a single moment in a person's life when they don't have all they need to be happy. And the only reason we're ever unhappy is because we're focusing on what we don't have rather than on what we have right here, right now. You know, in the middle of my brain tumor, when I went through that dark night of the soul and came out the other end, one of the things that opened up in me was a great appreciation for my family. For the love of my wife, for the for, for the beauty of my children, for all the support I was getting from my friends, for the fact that that day there was money to pay the mortgage, that that day there was food in the refrigerator, that that day I still had health insurance that was going to pay the medical bills. There was a lot to be grateful for in the midst of all of that. And that helped sustain um, that fearless attitude uh, that I knew that I needed to 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 function from and so this book stop fixing yourself is all about that um, that i assembled from the works of anthony de it helps you rediscover that truth about yourself that all of that all of that stuff you're thinking that you need to change yourself into is already in you
0: I love that. I love the whole the whole message of all that. And it's 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 really interesting to see too, because like you you you're sharing some stuff was where you know, would you say that gratitude, like being appreciative of just what you have and knowing that you have all and that you have the love, like taking those small things and would you say it's like the essence of gratitude helped to um elevate that and how like the sense of appreciation gave more of that in some way, shape, or form? But you're in a whole new world.
1: You know, there 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 are moments. During the day where you know i'm kvetching c- about this or that isn't working out uh, i didn't somebody i was reaching out to didn't email me um you know there's so many things that we can look at and and grouse about and be pessimistic about and i'll catch them um the the the, the heart of anthony nomelo's work is all you really need is awareness Bring into awareness what you're feeling. Bring into awareness how you're functioning at the moment. Don't resist it. Don't suppress it. Don't try to turn it into something else. Don't interfere with it. Let it speak to you. Let it show you the thoughts you're thinking that are turning into the emotional reaction that you're having. And then from that, own it. Say, this is happening in me, not to me. Uh, This has been programmed, I'm not to blame for it, but it was programmed into me. Um, Understand, you know, you're not some problem to be solved. You're okay if there's a problem. It's the way you were programmed. And then begin to count your blessings, very simply. And what you experience in that moment, what I experience in those moments is a complete seat change. I'm suddenly in a new world, you know? I suddenly can hear the birds singing outside. I can suddenly see the beauty of the rain falling or the light shining through. Um, I suddenly feel connected. To the love that's around me and that supports me. And now, now I'm pointed in the right direction. Now I'm on my path. Now I have, now the problem that I have turns into a challenge that I can use my creativity to, to resolve. Um, you know, it, it's the way we were programmed that gets us into to trouble. And so, what we need uh, is not to figure out how to change ourselves, but how to get deprogrammed. So what's in us already can naturally arrive. And so for DeMello, the way in which uh, we do that is, um, is, is through awareness. Uh, you know, it's a question of becoming aware of the way that you've been put together and the way you function. Um, and, and as you do that, finding that inside your brain, there's this whole program stamped into you um, a set of demands about how the world should be how you should be uh, what you should want that's insisting all the time that its demands be met by life by other people by you and you know when those demands aren't met your brain um, your brain causes you to be upset distresses you um, and in short you know we've been trained to upset ourselves for instance when other people don't live up to to the to this way that we're wired to these expectations that have been programmed into it, torments us with frustration and anger, bitterness, or when things are uh, don't feel like they're under our control or our future feels uncertain in some way. You know, the, the way we're wired insists that we experience anxiety, we experience tension, we get, we, you know, we fill up with worry. Then we we expend this enormous amount of energy coping, with these negative feelings, by expending even more energy trying to rearrange the world around us, so that you know these demands that we're wired to meet get met, and you know, certainly sometimes they get met. That happens, um, probably fifty percent of the time if you're lucky, and then in those moments you're granted a measure of precarious peace. But it's precarious because at any moment. Um, something's going to come along that's going to upset you and kick you into that upsetting program. You know, plane delay. Your smartphone isn't functioning properly. Your computer isn't functioning properly. Like me, an email hasn't come that I'm expecting. Even you know something as small as a spot on your on your shirt or tie. Um, and then these things, you know, are are going to cause you are going to push you into an upset. And they all depend on the criteria society establishes. They depend on how you've been conditioned. And at, through awareness, you begin to understand it's become a way of life in you. It's a pathetic existence. It's constantly at the mercy of things and people and outcomes as you try you know, to make life conform to the way you're wired so that you can enjoy really the only piece most people ever know, which is like this temporary respite from negative emotions. So what DeMello is telling us, uh, what Carl Rogers was telling us, is you need to get deprogrammed. And the the, the way toward getting deprogrammed is quite simple. Um, But it takes courage. And it's called awareness. Because what you will discover through awareness is what you're aware of, you control. What you're unaware of will continue to control you. You know, what you're unaware of about the way your brain was wired will mean that your brain will continue to use you. That programming will continue to use you. So again, the mellow is telling us it is enough for you to simply be watchful and aware. And through that, all that's neurotic within you will begin to drop and, and you'll wake up. And he gives us four steps to, to becoming aware.
0: So awesome. And when it comes to the awareness of it, are you becoming more aware of like a belief system or a belief or a thought process or the programming, the conditioning, or is it just aware of like just being, why do I feel this way? Or what's going on? Let me just be with this for a moment. And then uh, is that kind of the process a little bit with it?
1: What you're becoming aware of is how you're feeling that you tend to suppress and repress. Um, What you become aware of is uh, this, tendency in you to function from a place of upset so it begins with becoming aware of negative feelings you know you've got hurt feelings Uh, you're feeling nervous and tense and stressed maybe you're feeling gloomy and moody Uh, you feel shame maybe even self-hatred you know i'm not i'm not good enough Uh, you make a mistake and you really trash yourself Uh, You feel you might feel that life is pointless, you know, at the end of the your weary day of running all the upsets that you've been programmed to run. uh, You look at your life and you you, you have this discouraged feeling of it's all pointless, you know, makes no sense. So the first step, get in touch with those feelings. That's the first thing. Observe the thoughts you're thinking that produce the upset that you're having. Uh, leading to that narrowing of perspective that turns into that attitude that disempowers you. And then allow yourself to step back from it as if you're, you're watching someone else suffering like this. I often advise people step fr- back from it and, and watch your own suffering as if, if it, as if it was your best friend, because you don't tend to judge your best friend you tend to have empathy, compassion for your best friend. And compassion is an important thing to have for yourself. So step back from it as if you're watching someone else suffering, but at the same time, allowing yourself to feel that upset. And then the second step, uh, once, once it takes courage to do that. I, oftentimes people say, if I was really to give in to the amount of fear I, I have in me, it will destroy me. Uh, and I say, well, you know, I, I guarantee you it won't destroy you, but you got to find that out for yourself. So it's going to take some courage, just like, like that. my grandson riding a big wave. It takes some courage to jump up on that board and see where it takes you. Um, then the second step the mellow prescribes is to acknowledge that this negative feeling, it's in me. It's not in reality. Um, it's, it's, it's coming from this programming that I'm having. And that you would think that was so self-evident, but for most people, uh, they don't get it. I certainly wasn't getting it. So um, it's not all, you know, it's not happening to you either. It, you, at the end of it, you end up finding it was happening for you to help wake you up, to come home to yourself, inviting a return to love. You know, when I look back on my um, brain tumor, I look back on losing my job of, of that, that uh, calamity that I was thrust into i that I thought initially was a curse, I see it, it was a blessing i i wouldn't have I, I was too stubborn to wake up otherwise um, and fortunately, I embraced it instead instead of fighting it and then the third step is don't identify with those negative feelings and and don't judge them that's why that looking at at what you're going through as if you were looking at your best friend. Produces the compassion that's important part of the process. But if you are judging yourself, just make that grist for the mill, another negative feeling to look at, to embrace, to allow. Um, your upsets have nothing to do with your true self, with this nature I've been talking about. So DeMello, you know, he prescribes don't say I'm depressed. If you want to say, you know, my experience at the moment is depression or depression is there that's fine your brain takes everything literally so if you say i am depressed oh my god he's depressed let's let's it, let's move to the the lower brain put us in threat mode and kick us into fight flight or freeze so you know the same with fear not that i'm afraid it's fear's there Fear is there right now stress is there right now that's fine but you can say that but not that I'm afraid. You're defining yourself in terms of a feeling and that's your illusion, that's your mistake. In no way does any feeling affect your essential self. It's like your essential self is a blue sky. Demelik has this great image of he says, you know, if you throw black paint up into the, to the air uh, as it comes down and passes in front of your eyes, for a moment it'll seem like everything's black, but eventually it, it splashes on the ground and you look to the To the air, is, air hasn't been contaminated by it at all, you know. The blue sky is still there, so you know. You just tell yourself: there's a depression there right now, there's worry there right now, but let it be, leave it alone. It will pass. Everything passes, which is the fourth step, is that it will pass, like it did for me. You know, I, I went through kind of went through that riding that surfboard, that big wave, landed at shore. That was those emotions passing. And now at that moment, I'm in a space, an open space in which I can now choose the experience I wanna have. And so what I invite people to do in that open space that where they arrive through this process is to relax into it, to let go to it, to silence your mind as much as possible. And what you will notice is that a feeling of contentment, a feeling of peace will begin to arise all by itself. You'll feel a a kind of sensation or fluttering in your heart. That's your closed heart opening again. That's love coming coming on, a natural state of love. Um, And if you hang in this space long enough, what will begin to emerge is a feeling of joy. And out of all of that will come the self-confidence you, you're ha- now you're having not confidence in the way you've been programmed, not confidence in you know, what you've got to do out there in the world, but confidence in the resources that you've now discovered that are already there. You're already happy and you didn't know it. You're already at peace and didn't know it. You're already highly creative and able to meet any challenge where nothing's impossible to you, but you didn't know it. And now through this process of awareness, you see it you've experienced it and once that door opens it doesn't close again it's not that you don't not that life doesn't go on as usual but now you have a new way of meeting it and the more you practice it I, you know it usually happens within 2 weeks you begin to understand that this process of awareness has changed you it's you know awareness released something in you that changed you all by itself and that's grace and that's what, all of what Demello is pointing to.
0: I love what you shared here. I love every, every aspect of it. I mean, I remember a spiritual teacher when I was doing my energy medicine work, Reiki master training, and all this other stuff that I did. And uh, they were like, you know, "I am" is the most, you know, two words are the most powerful words to use. And and they were, we were talking about emotions, and they're like, don't ever say that you are. I am fearful. I'm depressed. I'm this because that's not really you. You are pure source energy. your pure source. Is is like all these things. And it was shifting the mindset of saying an experience. I'm experiencing this now, and it takes yes. the power, the charge you have on that. And it was, yes. At least that's been my experience through my life, where where I and I still have to catch myself. Fifteen years later, still have to catch myself. Like, oh man, I said I am this. Well, let me change that. Um, but it's it's really great to do that because you you're really sharing the art of transformation, right? We can go learn something new. We can practice something. We can do all this stuff. But when you really transform. You're walking in life in a whole new realm that you, you don't go back. It's the caterpillar to the butterfly. The butterfly cannot go back to the caterpillar. It's not going to happen. And I think when you really get that awareness and what you just shared in those four steps, that is, that's what we're looking at. That is that's pure transformation.
1: That's, it. that's very well said. And you know, all the mystics, uh, what they underline is awareness. There's this lovely uh, uh, spiritual story about a man very unhappy man, a successful man, um, but unhappy. You know, there's conflict in his work. There's conflict in his family. So he goes to a master and asks the master, "What do I need to do to change my life?" And it was the master's day of of uh, silence. So he picked up his little chalkboard and piece of chalk, and he wrote "awareness," and he held it up to the to the man. And the man said, "Awareness, oh, okay, but uh, what else can I do?" And the master wrote on the chalkboard again, "Awareness, awareness." And he held it up to him, and he goes, "Yes, but what is awareness?" And he, wrote, the master wrote, "Awareness is awareness is awareness." Well, that's what the, all the masters are telling us. You can't, you can't um, move past what you don't see. You, you can't. Uh, heal uh, what you're not in touch with at all awareness bring brings it to you and the second thing that all the the masters and and mystics are unanimous unanimous about is that through awareness you come to the realization that all is well even though everything's a mess all is well you know as you move through your your awareness process you you begin to be more accepting of your Neurosis, you know, your neurosis will raise its ugly head from time to time. One of the things about our brain is that uh, when we've experienced some kind of trauma or some kind of great pleasure too, it gets stamped with a with a stress hormone called cortisol, and that makes it very strong. It, it, you know, it, it we're going to carry that for life. It's what happens to soldiers uh, with post traumatic stress they have a a memory of some very traumatic event that happened to them. Uh, And at that, say for example, at that time, there was a a loud sound of helicopters. So every time they're back safe in the world, but they hear a helicopter, their emotional memory plunges them back into that traumatic event. And so those things that get wired into us play out, but awareness is a way of meeting them and shifting out of them. So now, you know, when. Awareness raises its ugly head. I mean, when my neurosis raises its ugly head in me, um, I bring it into awareness and I shift it much quicker. You know, one day recently, I was walking down the hallway and uh, heading for my office, and um, everything was going swimmingly well in my life. You know, wife and I are happy. My children and grandchildren are doing well. Uh, My career is going well. And yet I had this moment of dread that came over me. It was like this curtain suddenly fell in front of all of that. And so what I did is I shut the door to my office, sat in my chair and brought it into awareness, embraced it instead of resisting it. And I began to see what it was connected to the emotional memory of my stepfather um, abusing me and telling me that I was worthless. That I was no good, um, and and that the world would eventually crush me. You know, that's that, that was the biggest reaction I was having when I had that brain tumor, and there it still was. And so, I understood it. I understood that feeling of dread and where it was coming from, and it's if it, it it provided some healing to it. I you know I calmed down, I got back to a place of calm, and. Um, now when it comes up, you know, the other morning it came up again, uh, and when I woke up, it was meeting me like, "Oh no, another day in the world." And uh, I look at it, and what used to be months of pain and, and struggle and a bad attitude that carried me for months and months was just a blip on the screen. Uh, I looked at it and I go, "No, nope, that's not what I'm going. That's not the road I'm going down to today. That's not going to be my path today." And I, I let it shift, I let it quiet down and and dissolve. It's an illusion and and then in, and then welcome the beautiful sunshine streaming through the window and the and you know the excitement and wonder of a brand new day. Um, that's what awareness did for me it will do for anyone.
0: I love the end part you share because it's all about like you you know the, there's this here comes the, the the reaction right, and you can put your energy there and focus there, which is only going to magnify that. Or like you did, create awareness, know what, that, hey, I'm just going to let this pass. And then you shifted your focus and put your energy somewhere else and had a whole different experience from there, rather than having the low vibration experience that you're going to have on the other side.
1: Yes, exactly. Awareness gets you the choice. And you know, one thing that DeMello is not saying is to renounce the material world. I often get that from people, you know, are you're telling me that I should just you know, sell all of my belongings and go to a cave. And DeMille is not saying that. Uh, He's saying one uses the material world, one enjoys the material world, but one does not make one's happiness and peace depend on the material world. You know, it's like that Frank Sinatra song. One thing, the way that song defines the material world is you're riding high in April, you're shot down in May. That's the way it is. But the irony is, is that when you are detached from the material world through your awareness as you pursue your goals as you pursue success you actually enjoy the process more than you know when you believe that your self-worth and your inner peace and your happiness depend on the outcome you know it's like if you succeed great if you fail well you know what's what's the learning in this failure um but in either case, your happiness and self-worth are not at stake.
0: I love that. Don, I could talk to you all day on this stuff. This is a t- topic I'm very passionate about and love so much of. How can people connect, follow, get the book and everything that's aligned with that?
1: Uh, they can go to our website. We have a wonderful website that's very interactive. Um, and that's demelocenter.com. And Demello is spelled D E m-e-l-l-o com. You can go to Amazon um, and pick up some of Anthony DeMello's books. This book that I've been addressing today, Stop Fixing Yourself, is there. Also, um, DeMello's masterpiece called Awareness is there too. I rec- highly recommend both of those books. The Way to Love, another wonderful masterpiece of his. Um, it's all there, all available to you. And there's lots of videos and Audio files you can listen to all free of charge uh, to, to come in close to this, this way of liberating yourself, to this way of getting free of the way you've been programmed.
0: I love that. And for all the listeners, I'll have all the links in the show notes for you guys. Um, Don, this was great, great conversation. I think it's, this is stuff that is needed more into the world, especially nowadays, because it's just one of those things where we're so outside ourselves, so seeking outside, and the way the world cultured us and conditioned us in so many different ways then now this is an opportunity to go take the journey back in and understand that we are all beautiful in essence of the, who we are. And all we need is really, because I always say, if you can get awareness, that's 50% of the problem solved right there. And everything yeah. else will just take care of itself as you just got to do a little bit of work with it. But it, it's and it one of it the- quickly
1: moves to hundred percent. You're right. It starts out like half the problem is that you're suppressing what you're feeling. But as you bring those feelings into, in, into awareness and move through the process- you you're in a hundred percent of the
0: solution. Amen to that. And uh, it's just so needed in this world. So thank you for all the work that you're doing. Thank you for taking time to share with our listeners and our our tribe and community. And I just appreciate you having you on.
1: And thank you for all the work you're doing, Vic. Thank you so much.